0: This week, it's a new mini-series by Rick Coast about a librarian in a small New England town with an incredible secret. We're premiering the first three episodes of Rick Coast's In Hale, right here on Radio Drama Revival. Hey folks, welcome to Radio Drama Revival, the podcast that showcases the diversity and vitality of modern audio fiction. I'm your host, David Reinstrom. Rick Coast is remarkably prolific. What we're playing today is the eighth audio miniseries he's created since he released The Behemoth in 2016. Now, many of these have a similar format, usually a woman directly addressing the audience, but not all of them. And they all have a different story, and they all have a different kind of appeal. Since episodes of Rick's work tend to be about ten minutes apiece, what we've got for you today is the first three episodes of his newest series, Inhale. Podcasting is very special, because absent the requirements of radio's broadcast clock or TV's requirements for ad placement, you can really go after whatever format you desire. And I really appreciate that this is what works for Coast. If you like what you hear today, look up Inhale on Apple Podcasts and check out Rick's website. It's modernaudiodrama.com. So, without further ado, here are the first three chapters, I believe we are premiering these here, of Rick Coast's Inhale.
1: I'm Tracy Tanner, and this is my library. Well, it's not my library. Um, It belongs to the town of Hemlock, but I run it. I have for three years now. I love it here. It's quiet, peaceful, and safe. Safe is important to me. And nothing changes. Ever. Just like the town itself. Nothing changes. You can expect pretty much the same thing day in and day out. Like a TV episode you've seen a few times. You might not know every line, but you know what's going to happen. Hemlock might be a strange town at times, but it's been my home for four years now. That's Regan and her mother. Regan's here every couple days with one of her parents. What can I say? The girl likes to read. Hey, Regan. Is that going to be all today? Yep. I've heard this is a good book. You'll have to tell me what happens. I will. (laughs) No Joe today? No. He has some overtime today. Joe dotes on his daughter. They're both good people, as is most everyone in Hemlock. There are exceptions, of course. I mean, every town has its problems. What I like the most about Hemlock is that its problems are manageable. (laughs) They're small town problems, like a cat stuck in a tree kind of problem. It's not like where I come from. Bye, Regan. Bye. Yeah. Can I help you find something? Yes. Um, uh, I'm looking for a book by uh, Dickens. Something, something about a city. A tale of two cities. That, yes, that's it. It's required reading. Mr. Swain's night course. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. He usually reserves a few copies. You'll find all of his books over there, just past the brown armchair. Oh, cool. Thanks. See? Quiet and predictable. Just like I like it these days. No surprises. And no crime either. Well, I mean, occasionally. But nothing serious. There was some vandalism in the town cemetery a couple of summers ago. But honestly, that's as bad as it gets. And that one made the paper. Front page. (laughs) It was sort of a big deal. I forget the particulars. But other than that, Hemlock is as peaceful a town as you'll find. I can't remember the last time I heard a siren. Whenever I hear one, it... Well, it brings back some bad memories. You found it? Yep. Do you have your card? Oh. Wait, do, do I need one? Do you live in Hemlock? Yes. It'll only take a minute. Here. Everyone finds their way to the library eventually. There's just some things the internet can't give you. Like the feeling of a book in your hand. The smell of the pages. And there's something comforting about walking the aisles to scan the titles. I mean, you never know when one might grab you and change your life. I'm not a big fan of chance these days. But when it involves transforming yourself through reading... Well, I can handle that. I, I. I can't handle a lot these days. You see. Can I help you? No, I'm, um, I'm looking for a book for my daughter. Anything in particular? No. How old is she? She's young. Um, where's the children's section? Now, this guy bothers me. For no reason that I've never seen him before. Hemlock's a small town, and you usually see everyone at least once. You might not know their name, but you recognize their face. A new face sticks out. Especially here. Out-of-towners don't usually make the library their first stop. Here, let let me show you. No, you're busy. I can find it. It's upstairs. Upstairs? Mm Mm-hmm. To the right. There's nobody up there now, otherwise I'd have gone with him. That's another thing I like about my little library. I know everything that's going on here. Who's here and where? Like I said, no surprises. I can tell you where most any book is, who's checked it out, and who's here at any given time. There's the front door and the back entrance. You can't open the back door from the outside. It's always locked. So I see everyone that comes and goes. It's nice. It's a good feeling. It wasn't always this way for me. But I'm glad it is now. It's a nice life. You see, I might as well tell you. My name's not really Tracy Tanner. To everyone in Hemlock, it is. That's the name on my lease and employment records. I'm actually kind of nervous about that. The social security number I've been using isn't mine. That'll catch up to me. That scares me. My name... My name is really Tamara Tracer. Tammy Tracer. I haven't said that name out loud in over four years. You've probably never heard it before. Not unless you're from a certain city in Massachusetts. It's only three hours from where I am now. Come to think of it, I I should have gone further. I hadn't meant to stay in Hemlock. There's a train station, I got off to stretch my legs, and... Well, that was it. Something kept me here. I spent a couple of nights at Miss Brewster's B&B and decided this was as far as I was going to go. This would be Tracy Tanner's home. Goodbye, Tammy Tracer. So who is Tammy Tracer? Saying it out loud makes it real, right? I guess that's why I'm telling you all this anyway. To make it real. I mean, why not be honest here? You don't know me. Not yet, anyway. Okay. Here goes. My name is Tammy Tracer. And I am... was... A superhero. So, the superhero thing I mentioned, I suppose I should start telling you about that. <laughs> I mean, that's why we're here, right? You probably don't want to hear what it's like to be a librarian. Although I could talk about that for hours. Honestly, I'd I'd rather talk about that. That's me on the bench. Soccer wasn't my thing. I wasn't very good. The only reason I joined my high school team in the first place was because of my dad. He was captain of his soccer team in college and wanted me to take it up. For years. And as a teenager, we'd started to pull apart. This was my way of helping to bridge that gap.
0: Hey, Tracer, come on out here. Let's get you warmed up.
1: (sighs) I remember it like it was yesterday. I could kick the ball, but never that hard. Come on, Tammy, towards the net. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was really that bad. The coach was a kind man. Coach Hardy. He'd been coaching the team since forever. Hey,
0: Tracer, why don't you take that bag of balls over there and
1: practice hitting them that way? I had no idea what that way was, but I did what he told me to do. I brought the balls as far away from everyone else as possible and set them up in a line. There was a bunch of trees at the far end of the field, so I figured I would hit them that way. The first kick was no different than any of my previous attempts. Lame. See what I mean? I could connect with the ball, but it just wouldn't go far. God, it was frustrating. So I took a deep breath, held it, and it was gone. I mean, gone. I figured I must have sent it off in some weird direction, but I couldn't see it anywhere. Strange, right? I was really bad at this, and knowing that only added to my frustration. So I held my breath again, and this time I saw where it went. I just didn't believe it. It bounced off the top of a tree. The thing was, the tree it hit had to have been half a mile away. There was no way that could have been my ball, but it was. I stopped kicking balls after that. I was freaked out by it. So I went back to the bench. I went back to the field that night after dinner, after everyone else was gone. I brought a bag of my dad's soccer balls, as well as a couple of my brother's basketballs. He was in college at the time. me wouldn't miss him. And yeah, nothing had changed. Well, at first it had. I was kicking them no differently than before, back when I couldn't kick them to save my life. It wasn't until I took a deep breath and held it that the ball disappeared. I'm not kidding when I say disappeared. I lost every single ball that night. All of them. All right, Tracer, you're in. Okay. Go get him, Tammy. I learned to control my kicks. It wasn't easy at first. The magic happened when I held my breath. The longer I held it, the stronger my kicks were. If I let my breath out slowly, I could control how hard I kicked the ball. I also had to watch out for something else. If I bumped into a girl while I was holding my breath, that was it. For her. I could plow through the entire team if I wanted to, but I didn't want to. I didn't want to stand out. I felt different enough as it was. You out yet? No. He will. I know he wants to. He's not going to ask me. But he didn't. I was never asked to go to prom. I don't even remember what Billy's last name was. Just another face in a sea of forgettable faces. So what did I do on prom night? Yeah. I broke trees. While the rest of my classmates went to prom, I went into the woods, held my breath, and knocked trees over. As long as I held my breath, nothing could touch me. Well, it could touch me, but I couldn't feel it. You could take a knife to my skin and it wouldn't leave a scratch. If you tried hard enough, you'd break the blade. I even put my fist through a brick wall at the school. That very same night, I could hear the music from the gymnasium and, well... I punched the wall. Not out of anger, though. I was... frustrated. I was different. And as long as I inhaled and held my breath... I was indestructible. I felt bad about the brick wall, though. The school had to pay to have it fixed. A lot has happened between then and now. I have my library and I no longer hold my breath. You look like you need some help. He's looking for a book. What book are you looking for? It's about Otto Binder. Who? Otto Binder. He wrote comics. Let me look. Got it. It's rare that I get stumped. Here, let me write it down for you. This is the life I want. It's quiet. It's exactly what I need. I can breathe here. What comics did he write? He wrote a whole bunch, but Tim here likes Supergirl. I like the real
0: Supergirl. The who? She's dead. She's not dead. She has to be. No one's seen her in years. Some gangsters probably got her. Got who? Hey, you know, the superhero girl in Boston. The one who was always saving people from stuff.
1: Yeah. She stopped a train. Oh. Right. Yeah. I remember. She's not dead, though. I bet she is. Yep. <laughs> I remember the train thing. That was around the time it all ended. Right before I packed my bags. Right before I stopped holding my breath and decided to live. No, I don't want to talk about this now. Let's talk about this instead. The first crime I ever stopped. Cliché, I know. A convenience store. But I'd been coming here for years. I couldn't begin to count how many free packs of Twizzlers Mr. Grady gave me over the years. The cherry ones were my favorite. Even when I'd graduated from Twizzlers to Red Bull, he still gave me Twizzlers. He said that Red Bull was bad for me. I don't know about that. More than half my graduating class was fueled by it. But I was a paying customer, so Red Bull it was. Only this time, it was different. This time he gave me the Twizzlers and the Red Bull for free.
0: Why don't you go home now, Tammy? And say hi to your folks. But I... Just go.
1: There was something in his voice... And then I saw it in his eyes. Fear. I also saw the two men at the back of the store, watching us. They were waiting for me to leave. That's when I got scared, too. But this sort of thing had never happened before not in my store. Other stores, maybe, in other places, but not Mr. Grady's store. So, yeah, scared doesn't describe the fear I felt. But there was something else, just below the fear. Something building. So I left. And when I got outside, I inhaled the evening air and went back inside, holding my breath. Mr. Grady never told anyone what he saw. To this day, he's the only one who knows my secret. When asked what happened by the police, he said he was too afraid to look. He said he never saw a thing. The two men? Once their jaws were unwired, they kept quiet about it, too. I mean, after all, who would believe a skinny little teenage girl did all of that? I started carrying around a mask, too. It was just a piece of cloth that i tie around my face. It covered my nose and mouth. It was pretty lame, actually. It kept wanting to come loose. I was learning a lot about my powers, too, but not where they came from. That's still a mystery to me. Unless they'd always been there. I can't pinpoint a time where something might have happened to me to cause them. I wasn't bitten by any radioactive bugs or exposed to some weird radiation or anything. I wasn't sent here from parents on another planet to escape its destruction. But here's the thing. As long as I held my breath, I was pretty much indestructible, So I began to practice holding it to see how long I could do it. Weird power to have, huh? That was the first time I was shot. There was a girl being stalked in the commons. I saw the guy change direction as soon as she turned onto one of the footpaths. She had just come up from the Park Street exit. I followed them. As he got closer to her, I started to worry that I wouldn't catch up to them in time. So I yelled. Stop! He stopped. And that's when he shot me. It was a really good thing I held my breath. I fell down, too. Not from the bullets hitting me. I felt those, but it was more like someone had lightly tapped me on the chest. I fell because I was shocked. I mean, I had never been shot before. Luckily, he stopped there and ran, because I was breathing again. Well, hyperventilating. That made it worse. If he decided to finish me off, he'd had the perfect chance to do it. The girl ran, too. She wasn't sticking around. It was after that that I got serious. I mean, if I was going to walk around and save people from jerks, I had to at least look the part, right? So I began to put together a costume. I made a better face mask. It still only covered the lower part of my face, but it was snug and didn't move as much. I went with a dark crimson theme with black. To kind of make it look a little tougher, I added some thick brown leather straps above my chest. You couldn't say I was an expert at this, but at least I looked the part. Except for the cape. Yeah, I tried it for a while with a cape. Batman and Superman had capes, right? So, so did Supergirl and Thor. So, I mean, there had to be a good reason for them. (laughs) If there was a good reason to run around with a cape, I never found it. I kept catching it on things and getting tangled up in it. I don't know, maybe it was more for effect, and I was never effective with it. So I lost the cape, but I kept the goggles. Yeah, goggles. They were cool. Again, not super effective in some situations, but nobody could say I didn't look intimidating. And if you fell into that camp where I wanted you to be intimidated, well, I felt sorry for you. Not now. I'm not ready for that. But I will tell you this: people began to take notice. Not immediately, but eventually, there was a small article in the paper about a masked vigilante who'd stopped a couple of punks from mugging a tourist from China.
0: Yo, I like your phone, dude. Unless you're selling it for please. Well, great, that's for free, then. That's awesome. Uh-uh, don't lock it. I like it just the way it is. Mm-hmm. Unlock it. You don't want it gun. Yeah, and, uh, what are you
1: supposed to do? A little old banana? This isn't the drawing you're looking for. Was it fun? No. Not really. I was more disgusted by what I saw more than anything else. Unless you're looking for it, you tend to miss all of this especially during the day you become immune or numb to it but if you're watching for it and that's all you see it's ugly and it will always be there but as long as i held my breath i figured i could make it a little better less an ugly place and more some place you felt safe to be that tourist will probably never come back but the next one might I figured that once word spread that there was someone protecting the streets at night, looking out for people, then maybe the city would be a nice place. I <laughs> was so naive. Oh, hi, Regan. What's it going to be today? These. Good choices. Yeah, I love this book. Me too. Have you read it? No. Then how do you know you love it? <laughs> because you do. <laughs> That's a great reason. Let's get you checked out. Inhale is a Rick Coast production. Learn more at
0: Modernaudiodrama.com. That was Inhale, parts one through three. Now, if you want to hear the rest of the story, check out Inhale in your favorite podcatcher or point yourself to Modernaudiodrama.com to find everything in the Rick Coast Productions family. Rick, thank you for letting us play Inhale and thank you for submitting your piece through our website. If you, gentle listener, have a piece that you want featured on RDR, send it our way visit radiodramarevival.com. Thank you for listening to Radio Drama Revival. If you liked what you heard, please give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and tell a friend. Now, it's time for some credits. Our theme music is Danger Did You Do" by DJ Stranger Danger, whose music can be found on SoundCloud. Our line producer, Matthew Boudreau is a superhero. He's got ice vision. He's a great dude, but if you cross him, he'll fix you with a frosty glare. This is a dumb bit, but I'm rolling with it. It'll stop you cold! Send your complaints to my Twitter account, at MattJBoudreau. Our interview's producer, Eli McElveen, is a superhero. He can sing the honey out of a beehive, blood from a turnip, and ratings out of a podcast audience. hi But seriously, we could use some reviews, pretty please. Heather Cohen and Monique Boudreau are our researchers, and they are superheroes. Heather runs so fast, she once caught her own shadow. Monique is so strong, she can pick herself up by the elbow. Together, they fight patent trolls, because superheroes need to fight white-collar crime, too. Fred Greenhough, our executive producer, is a superhero. He spends all day in this psychic amphitheater with a dumb helmet on, and I have no idea what it does. But, then again, I haven't been assailed by mind slugs since I took this hosting gig, so it must be doing something. Thanks, Fred. I'm David Reinstrom, professional sidekick, and this has been Radio Drama Revival. All storytellers welcome. It's like a Phil Hartman impression. Let me just do it David-sounding.